from the 50, Midweek Edition. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the From the 50 Midweek Review, our final show of the year. And it's always a bittersweet moment when we get to this point, but we have a lot to talk about. We are going out with a bang. I'm Zach Zook alongside Nick Tolley, my co-host slash producer slash shit disturber. Nick, <laughs> how's it going, man? It's going good. Just got a dog yesterday. You didn't even tell me that off the air. That. So, all right. So I'll let <laughs> the audience to Bruce, in on man. a little. I was going to say, I'll let the audience in on a little like pre-production secret. Like Tali and I normally talk for a good like five, 10 minutes off there, both before and after the podcast. Sometimes I got to pee or make dinner mm-hmm. or whatever. And I just jump right off. And normally Tali and I talk off there for a, a decent amount of time. And he didn't think to tell me that you got a new dog. I did. I'm behind on bruise. I'm like a month behind on bruise. Oh, yeah. You got to listen to our new episode. I but listen. I listen I, to it at work. And then if I see one that really catches my eye, I will like skip ahead and listen to that yeah. one, then go back on the ones that I'm doing. But mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, I've gotten a little behind. So I got to go listen to the new one, I guess, to, to yeah. hear about your dog. And then that's a plug for the audience. Go find out about Tolly's dog. We're not going to talk about it anymore. <laughs> it's totally secret information. Yep. Gotta listen to Bruce on the balcony. <laughs> so we are brought to you by Book It Sports and Aces Wild. Download the Book It Sports app from the uh, Apple Store, the iOS Store. Uh, and if you're on Android, they are on Android, right, Nick? Yes. That's my stupid question. Google Play. Google Play. Google Play. Yeah. See, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not an Android guy. And if you are an Android person. I just already there's that's a red flag to me. But <laughs> yeah. uh, if you are an Android person, go to the Google Play Store and download uh, the Book It Sports app. Also brought to you by Aces Wild, as I mentioned, 208 North Main Street in Columbia, Illinois. They got darts. They got beer. They got TVs. Great hangout spot. And uh, I don't even know if we need to mention the call or text, but you can call or text <laughs> us at 904-990-FT50. This is the last show we're going to do. So your question is hey. going to be a little old. We can but, always uh, answer them on social media. You could do it. Yeah, we'll answer them on social send media. Send it beginning of the year. We could, we could do it on... They could, You guys could do it on Bruce, too, um, I yep. suppose. But uh, without further ado, Tali, I, you know, the draft is obviously the main story, but the stories that come out of draft weekend, it was just a crazy news cycle. None bigger than the Aaron Rodgers story and saga now at this point is what i would call it uh fitting that he called a saga on may the 4th may the 4th be with us all especially us packers fans as uh aaron Rodgers, man it i i don't know where to begin if, if you've been living under a rock i guess i could just start with the background info aaron Rodgers basically apparently told some teammates that he didn't in- intend to return to the packers like the original Schefter report and, and it was like 45 minutes ahead of time. They they teased it, basically. Like, we got a big-time report coming on ESPN.com. And then Schefter tweets it out, writes the story on ESPN. I, I immediately go and read the entire story, which is like three paragraphs long, talking about how he had told – he's disgruntled, he's unhappy, he had told teammates that he doesn't, he doesn't plan on coming back. Uh, and that – you know, I at, at this current juncture, he what he did not want to return to Green Bay, and then that kind of set off, you know, the shitstorm 
that ensued on Thursday afternoon and reports were coming out left and right. I think largely there's a lot of bullshit that's come out and that's kind of my take on it. And I've been marinating on this the whole weekend. I knew that we were going to talk about this in depth Uh, as you know, a Packers fan that's followed them very closely. I mean, basically since I was like 14 years old, even less than that, but like, I mean, you're you're so young to like. I remember watching Brett Favre in the Brett Favre days before the Aaron Rodgers thing. And I remember the Favre retirement, but I was like junior high age at that point. So it's like I didn't really, you know. But I, bottom line, I've been following the Packers basically since I've been old enough to remember it. And this, a lot of it's not news. Like you knew that the Jordan Love pick pissed him off. Uh, winning cures all. They've gone thirteen and three each of Matt Lafleur's first two seasons. But the losses in the NFC Championship, I think, have stung. Especially the first one, you get blown out by San Fran, who was just had him outgunned and outmanned. And instead of you know taking you know short term talent that can help the team now, they really invested in the future. They they took Jordan Love, they took AJ Dillon, they took Josiah DeGuara to be like an H back fullback type deal. He ends up tearing his ACL, I believe, like a couple weeks into the season. But um, the, the reports that then came out after the Schefter report were just absolutely wild. I mean, conflicting stories, conflicting reports left and right. Uh, Aaron Rodgers was apparently hoping that they were going to accept a deal to the 49ers. He apparently get, I don't know. I've been hearing that there's some fucking list that he has and the Broncos and the Raiders are on it. I've never seen that list or has seen it widely reported on, Is but it? apparently there's like a couple teams. I don't know if it's just, I honestly, I think the list is essentially just reporters going like, Oh, the Raiders need a quarterback. Oh, well, they could trade him to the Niners. He's from California. That's essentially all that this is. Isn't uh, that the same list Russell me, Wilson had? I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I know I think it's like Russell's exact list same included the Cowboys and the Bears, yeah. which obviously I'll, never in a million years the Packers yeah. are going to do that. Well, those two have changed their kind of quarterback situation since then, but I'm pretty sure it's essentially the same exact list. Yeah. So like, I, and I, again, like I, I, I promise you, nobody scoured social media and just the reporting harder this weekend than I did. And I, I didn't see any any lists so it's like there's a lot of misinformation out there because i saw a tweet that kind of summed it up pretty well it's like so Schefter drops this bombshell and now it's like all these reporters have stories yeah what were they just sitting on stories at the same time no they all went and scrambled and you got to just pull something out of out of thin air so that people are reading your publication so there's a Mm -hmm. lot of misinformation a lot of misgivings out there but uh the facts of this are the facts and it's unarguable. Like Schefter's report is accurate. Now, now the other reports, you know, uh, about certain, like he, apparently he, he wants Gudikins fired and that's the only reason he's going to come back. The contract thing was, was a report. The Jake Kumaro thing has blown up. And I think we'll get to all those angles one by one as we talk through this story, Nick, but like just off the top, I, th- I think that Schefter's report is accurate. Nobody really seems to be refuting the facts. Uh, Aaron Rodgers himself told Mike Tirico at the Kentucky Derby, like, oh, like I, I'm it's it's a bu- I'm disappointed that that was made public. He, nobody denied it. I mean, yeah. even the Packers immediately when that had come out, 
they, the Packers, I think, did exactly what they should have done. Like Mark Murphy, the team president and CEO of the Packers, basically came out with a statement, Aaron's our quarterback, we're not trading him. Uh, and and we, we have had, you know, discussions with him revolving his contract. Murphy... Gudikins and LaFleur have each flown out individually to see him. I think I believe on the West Coast so far this offseason, which is new information. We didn't have that before. So it's like nobody's denying any of the fa- facts of the case, if you will, uh, in this whole Aaron Rodgers dilemma. But these reports that have popped up out of thin air suggesting one reason or another is, you know, the sticking point for Aaron Rodgers is that I think it's total bullshit, to be honest with you. Uh, and when you factor in the timing of this, that I think is what made it such a big story. This breaks three or four hours before, uh, the Jaguars are on the clock. And it's yeah. like, is Aaron Rodgers going to get traded? Is he going to be, I, I had the thought, I was like, is Aaron Rodgers going to be on the Packers when I go to sleep tonight? <laughs> because if it, it felt like if this is all moving so fast and if this is all true, and maybe the and, and you knew more stories and reports and facts were going to come out as it happened, but you, you didn't know the severity of the situation really. And we've talked about it on this podcast before. Picks that you know the number of are better than picks in the future. And to me, under no circumstances do you trade twelve. But if you were going to do it, draft night was the night to do it because you sure as hell should not do it now. Uh, but it's like well. I mean, shit, 49ers got pick number three. They could give you like Debo Samuel, George Kittle, and two first-round picks the next two years. And I mean, I I think under no circumstances do the Packers even consider it. And Kyle Shanahan basically said as much, which I get, again, and go back to like, there's a lot of misinformation out there. So like nine times out of 10, if it ain't ain't Schefter or like Pete Prisco, even Rappaport to a degree is like a little like... He's gotten shit wrong before, and he's he's got a little bit of a flair for the dramatic over there at NFL Network. So, like, Rappaport, yeah, for the most part, like, 99%, like, it's going to be accurate. But it's like, if it don't come from Schefter or, like, one of these really well-respected, connected dudes that uh, are clearly in the know, I'd kind of disregard, not totally disregard, take, but take it with a grain of salt. But uh, you can't totally just just take the information for what it is because it's probably it's probably wrong well, uh, and this also isn't the first time this offseason this something like this has happened with rogers remember his comments earlier about him like not controlling his future or something which obviously is somewhat true but that blew up into a whole thing of him not wanting to come back a couple since, months ago since the jordan love pick there's been like six or seven instances yeah. where like it's become that, a national picking the story field goal like yeah, they, they blew up. They they really, I mean, that's kind of been Roger's whole career. Again, as somebody that's followed it, I have learned to just kind of like tune it out. Like, I just don't yeah. care, you know, like <laughs> like Rogers. And I think most people with the Packers organization, like, I mean, Mike Florio is going to do what Mike Florio does. You know, he's going to fucking write bullshit for clicks. And a lot of the reporters are like that. But uh, there have the, the writing's been on the wall. I mean, I I knew that Rod, no Packers fan knew it was just, oh, fucking, you know, roses and sunshine over in Green Bay. The second they picked Jordan Love, they they set off a, a bombshell within the organization. 
Now, I've heard that they did not tell Rodgers about the Jordan Love pick. And if that's the case, and everything I have heard says it is, and that's been like pretty well sourced, I believe that they did not tell him about the Jordan Love pick ahead of time. Huge, huge mistake by Brian Gudikins. I don't understand. And now I know I'm a communication mass media major. My job title is literally communication manager at, at my at my day job. But like I don't understand how you have this Hall of Fame quarterback on your team and you don't tell him you're drafting his eventual replacement. Like I I, I mean, and, and I said when the pick happened, and we've talked about this, Tolly, he's gonna he's the one that controls how long he's the starter in Green Bay. It's right. just like the Tom Brady thing. Like if he mm-hmm. plays at a high level till he's 40, they'll trade Jordan Love or or it'll force their hand one way or the other eventually because they're not going to get rid of him when he's playing at a high level. They're just not going to do it. At so, least tell him like, hey, we have this guy graded super high. Yeah. If he falls to this point, we're taking like, him. We're I don't, taking I, him. I don't see why you didn't do that, and I don't see what that hurts. Maybe they're thinking, like, the odds we get Jordan Love are pretty low, so we don't want to disturb the hornet's nest. I listened to an interview with Bill Polian over the weekend, too. I I love Bill Polian. He is really smart guy, down-to-earth, really talks about football. He doesn't sensationalize what the front office is, which a lot of people I feel like do. Because the fact of the matter is, like, we all look back on picks like, oh, Jalen Waddle was the Dolphins guy, and Panay Sewell was the Lions guy. And, and when it works out well, everybody always goes back, oh, we were 100% going to draft this guy. That's almost never the case. And basically what Gudikins had told some reporters over the weekend was, hey, we loved some of the receivers last year. We wanted to trade up to get Justin Jefferson. And the Vikings got him. And we wanted to get Brandon Ayuk. And the 49ers traded up and got him. And so then we traded up to get Jordan Love. The, the likelihood that the Packers took a quarterback, it was actually, that was a, one of the least likely outcomes for them in the first round, which I think is maybe part of the reason Gudikins didn't tell him. But, but the fact that it's like, if there's a guy high up on your board, you have, I mean, five to eight targets on draft night. And that's yeah. probably even a little rich. Like, to me, like for the Packers, in my mind, I thought it's like Greg Newsom, Bateman, like a, a short list of guys like that if they fall. Uh, and, but most teams have a couple of targets that they want going into the draft. And Bill Polian had a couple of interesting stories. And he he mentioned that when Peyton Manning, before the next thing, it got to a point where they sat him down in the offseason and said, hey, I mean, starting this draft this year, we're looking for, you know, your eventual like replacement. Like the franchise has to go on when you leave. And so he 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 alluded, he's like, now that conversation didn't go well. I mean, it's not a happy mm-hmm. thing to talk about the guy's career ending. I mean, we're gonna draft the person that's gonna literally replace your job. I mean, that doesn't that makes anybody uncomfortable. If mm-hmm. if if you bring, you know, some some young play-by-play guy in to like learn under me to eventually replace me. You know, I'm not going to like that, yeah. you know, like it, it's a little bit different scenario, right? Like it's not a perfect right. analogy, but, but it, to, to draw real world examples, whenever you bring in the assistant IT guy that makes half the money as the, as the IT director, the IT director is probably going to be a little cagey with the assistant and not teach him everything he knows because sure. it's just like any walk of life. That's not going to be a happy conversation, but the fact that Gudikins Never told him. I think huge, huge mistake on the Packers' part. Yeah. Now, 
I understand Aaron Rodgers feeling the way he feels. I also understand that he makes about $30 million per year, $33 million per year. Patrick Mahomes and Dak Prescott have shattered his extension since he signed it. Patrick Mahomes makes about $40 million per year, and I believe Dak Prescott makes around 36 to 38 per year. Uh, so if I'm Aaron Rodgers, I absolutely don't I, I don't blame him for being mad that they didn't inform him at least about the Jordan Love pick. Now, if you're mad that they took him, that's another scenario. Like, dude, they got they're gonna take who they're gonna take. You ain't the GM, you know, suck suck it up, buttercup. But Rodgers to, to, will have a cap hit this year of thirty seven dollars. So he's gonna have a cap hit of thirty seven million. Yeah, so his base salary is 14.7, his signing bonus is 11 and a half. He has a roster bonus of 6.8 million and then a workout bonus of 500,000. So, and then like, there's some other stuff coming in there that affect the cap hit, but he 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 wants he he wants more money. I th- I think I think that a, a big part of his gripe, it's Jordan Love, it's the front office. He clearly doesn't see eye to eye with Gutekinds. Yeah. But I think a big part of it is the contract. And I don't think it's necessarily the AAV. I think he he looks at Dak Prescott and goes, why the fuck aren't I making what he's making? Uh, like, in, in the, after you win the MVP, you're thinking, I want what Mahomes has. I mean, yes, Mahomes has one Super Bowl and he's younger. And maybe at this point, I think you'd rather have Mahomes than Rodgers for a given year just given the trajectory of the players and just how special Mahomes is. But it's like if the roles were opposite and Mahomes was 38 and Rodgers was 24, I mean, we'd say that they're they're even, I think, when it comes to just pure, you know, football talent at this point. Like, does Mahomes have a better career yeah. than Rodgers? Certainly looks like he's on track to surpass him in terms of, like, awards and and Super Bowl appearances. I mean, he's already got he's already got two. So, uh but, Rogers but I think contract, Rogers has an argument to be making what Patrick Mahomes is making, don't you? Yeah, the other issue is he doesn't have really any security right now. So, like, next year, his cap hit is almost $40 million, but the dead cap charge is only 17 So they could easily cut him next year. And then the year after that, they're definitely going to cut his they contract. They cut him for, like, nothing. Because, because the dead cap is $2.8 million and his cap hit is 283 yeah. So so he doesn't have it, any sort of security right now. And so that I think is what the issue is. I mean, money talks and shit walks. I think yep. he'd like to be making ball, Mahomes ballpark money. And I was getting there. So I'm so glad that you just <laughs> transitioned us right into it because the real issue is Rodgers wants committed dollars on the Packers end beyond 2021. That is ultimately, I think the big sticking point the Packers to this point for whatever reason have been well not for whatever reason I know the exact reason they don't want to do it but they have been reluctant to do that they want to restructure him they're willing to give him more cash what they don't want to do is commit the dead cap to like 2022 and 2023 what it's going to be this year now I think that if you're the Packers front office, that's all well and good. And we'll see if they, if they bend on this, because I think eventually to work out the relationships, that's just what has to be done. And I don't think it's firing Gudekinst. I don't think it's like trading him there. They I'm telling you the Packers would rather have him retire and host jeopardy before they traded him to any other of the 31 NFL franchise. If it was me, you will retire 
before I trade you this year. Now, if we play out 2021, we get to the offseason, maybe the Raiders have like a top five pick. I feel more comfortable dealing him to the Raiders than I do the Broncos because I feel pretty confident you're not he's not winning big with the Raiders. Um so that's a team I would at least consider. But the problem is the Raiders who I want I don't want picks back. I want players. Who do I want off the Raiders? And that's the that's the main thing. Like that is yeah. the one thing that you they were never going to trade him to the Niners. It's somewhat of a rivalry. I mean, I would say beyond the the Bears and the Vikings, the 49ers and the Cowboys are like right there in terms of the biggest rivalries with the Packers ahead of the Lions, I'd say. So they, yeah. there's no shot they were dealing him to the Niners, but at least the Niners could offer you George Kittle, Debo Samuel. They have quality premium talents on the roster. What, what are the Raiders giving the Packers? Darren Waller? I mean, Darren Waller's he's, a talented player, but it's like... He's their I, only one. That uh, Josh Jacobs? I mean, I, 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 I can't have that. Henry Ruggs? No, thank you. So, like... Uh, and I think that just uh, how pissed be, would Rogers be? He gets traded there and they trade away the only two pass catchers they have in Henry Ruggs well, and Darren and, Waller. And I, and I got it. And again, news for Rogers. If for whatever reason, some miracle deal gets worked out, like let's just say the Broncos, since we already went over the Raiders, they're giving up like Judy, Cortland Sutton, uh, Noah Fant, potentially maybe, maybe Garrett Bowles. Like the, the Packers are taking some talent back. Um, yeah. Patrick Sertan, like we're taking talent and picks. And I think eventually he is going to get traded. And the argument on draft night where I, the only reason I didn't say it was, it would have been idiotic for them to do it on Thursday is because you know what the picks are one and two, the, his value is never going to be higher than it is right now. He's the, he's literally the reigning NFL MVP. But now that the draft is coming gone, under no circumstances can you trade him. And I think of it, and what I was getting to before we kind of got off on this little tangent with the guaranteed money is, look, you you made a gamble and you made a decision as a front office to draft Jordan Love and get the future of the Packers under center secure. I didn't disagree with them at the time for doing that. Rodgers had had multiple injuries that had cost the Packers multiple seasons of contention. And the the first year they went 13-3, and three, he didn't look that good. He looked like a player in decline. He was skipping bubble routes. I remember texting and telling you guys on the podcast, like, look, I, I know, like, he's still Aaron Rodgers. He's still an above-average QB. He ain't elite. Like, that, yeah. I, I've been watching him. Ever since the injuries, he has not been that guy. Now he flipped the switch, got pissed off, and got back to that form. I don't think he has that year without the Packers drafting Jordan Love. Uh, I, I really don't. And he so, also said he had changed something in his, I think, with like squatting more weight or something like that. And he said that this was the best some, his yes. legs had ever felt. And I think he had that to get some strength back spot. in his legs. And that I think yeah. definitely helped him from skipping throws because he doesn't throw, it doesn't get his body into his throws a lot. He throws off his somebody, back foot more than anybody in the NFL. Somebody today was going off on him. I think it was Terry Bradshaw and said that he has the worst footwork in the NFL. Which is, I don't which know is, about that, but I, I didn't hear that comment specifically. But I basically heard, I saw that he had called him a baby, which is like yeah. such a joke. Like you know, like I'm I, I think that what's going on right now is a little petty too. But like, get the fuck, get out of here with that. Um, yeah. but but I, I I understand why the Packers drafted Jordan Love when they did. And I totally understood the thinking. And regardless of how he feels, again, you got to run the Packers when he's gone. So you take your shot at getting a QB, a first round QB, 
that they weren't going to have, they didn't have the opportunity to get in the first round this year. We don't know if they'll have, they'll have the opportunity to get in the first round next year. As you mentioned, Tolly, quarterback class looks pretty scarce. You want Spencer Rattler? Guy got benched at Oklahoma's freshman year. You want Sam Howell? They throw it like 70 times a game. And he did have Michael Carter and Javante Williams in the backfield last year. So let's just slow our roll on that. He had Diami Brown too. Like, let's see how they, how he does this senior year. Well, you're drafting Derek King out of Miami. Like Jordan Love was the best option. I think the Packers are going to have at drafting the franchise guy. I mean, it, in, in the last two, three drafts, maybe they could have yeah. traded up to get like Justin Fields in this one. You know, you could make or the Mac argument. Jones. Yeah. <sighs> Jordan <laughs> loves better player 15. than Mac. Jordan loves better player than Mac Jones. Uh, I don't better know about prospect. That. You don't think so? I don't know about that. I'm on the Mac Jones train. I think okay. he's going to well, be we'll pretty see. solid. We'll see. I mean, he went to literally the best possible fit, <laughs> so he's got got a leg up on that one. Uh, but but to me, if you're the Packers front office, drafting Jordan Love is all well and good, but you have to pivot now. Fact of the matter is, he did win an MVP. Fact of the matter is, you could win a Super Bowl in the next year or two. I mean, you have that roster. The roster's getting better. The the sins of the past with Ten Thompson and the old GM uh, in the old front office with, like, Dom Capers running the defense. Like, we're starting to get away from that a little bit. Got Jair Alexander. Signed some massive defensive help. Zadarius Smith's been one, like, one of the best Packers free agent signings in the history of the, of the team. Adrian Amos has been awesome. He grades out fantastic with PFF every year. So, like, they've gotten the train back on the tracks so it's like, they still have holes in the roster, but this is an infinitely better team than it was two years ago. So you get rid of Mike Patton. Yeah, exactly. You you got to maximize this time now that Rodgers is playing well. You got the offense in place. You hit a home run with Matt LaFleur. Like, let's go for it. So if you got to eat some dead money, then you got to eat some dead money. So if I'm Gutekinds and that's the issue, and again, we're making an assumption that that is the issue, then you just got to, I know they just want to restructure. Rodgers wants the guaranteed money. Like, I think you have to capitulate a little bit to Rodgers on that one and give him the guaranteed money for the next two to three years. Now, I'm not giving him massive guaranteed money until he's 40, but we can at least kick the can down the road and reevaluate it in a year or two. And at that point, maybe if he gets pissed again, then I say, have him, Gruden, you know? But, uh, you know, I, I don't think that you can risk losing him at this point because he still probably does have three to four years of high quality top five quarterbacking left in him. And you cannot under any circumstances punt on that. I just don't think you can. And I know even if Jordan Love is good, you can't do that. And the fact of the matter is we have no idea. Now, here's one thing that I, I'll give you my take on the Rodgers. I just gave you my take on the Rodgers situation. Under no circumstance can you trade him. Now, here's what I would do. Let's say he does threaten to sit out or whatever. I don't think he'll do that. He makes like $2 million per Sunday if you, if you <laughs> average it out. So I don't I don't think he's going to do that. But if he does, under no circum, there's two things that under no circumstance can the Packers do. Under no circumstance can you trade Rodgers until at least next offseason. And under no circumstance can Jordan Love start, start week one. No, under no circumstance can he play it all this year. They... I've heard people that think that he sucks because he didn't beat out Tim Boyle for the backup job last year. There was, it had nothing to do with that. It had everything to do with no preseason, no 
training camp, basically. They were not going to throw him to the Wolves if Rodgers got injured. They would rather punt on the season than ruin the development of Jordan Love, who's a developmental pick when they took him. The guy had interception problems out the wazoo at Utah State. I went back and watched every snap of his senior year, plus three games of his junior year when the Packers took him. He's he's a talent. He, he's a good player. But he was trying to do way too much at Utah State, forcing the ball into insane windows and trying to be Superman. And he was he was trying to be Mahomes on every play, man. <laughs> so, like, that's what they have to rein in. And under no circumstances were they going to throw him to the Wolves in a contention year if Rodgers went down. So that is why Tim Boyle was the backup quarterback. They also knew that Tim Boyle was not going to be on the team after the year was over. So because you're still in the same boat where, like, he has no experience – you don't even know what he looks like. They have no idea. What, I still don't think that they have any idea what they have in him. And they're not going to know until they get him some preseason reps. So uh, under no circumstance can he start week one. So if Rodgers does threaten to sit out, I think that the Packers, ha- I think what I would do if I was the Packers, they need to get a third quarterback on the roster. They need that third quarterback to be a veteran QB. Now, Ideally, if Rodgers is serious, like let's say he's serious and they, for whatever reason they don't get the contract worked out and he's like, fuck you guys, I'm hosting Jeopardy until you either trade me or give me a massive extension. And putting the Packers in a predicament of like, okay, well, we literally don't have a quarterback now because we can't play Jordan Love. The Packers have to sign a guy like Teddy Bridgewater or trade for a guy like Teddy Bridgewater. Now, I think that that third quarterback, it's tough to get, like, I've seen, like, Drew Stanton thrown out there and, and some other guys. It's like, yeah, but I don't I don't feel any better about them playing quarterback this fall than I do about Jordan Love. Like, at the same point, you are still trying to win. Rodgers or no Rodgers, you can't just punt on a season. Like, we have a good team. We're running a good system. We should be, be able to run through the NFC North again. Bears are on, might be on the come now with Justin Fields, but he's going to be a rookie. Uh, the Vikings just drafted potentially Kirk Cousins replacement and their offensive lines in shambles and the Lions are in year one of a complete teardown. So like it's the Packers division to lose with or without Rodgers, but it's like it's a it's a very tough line to draw, Tolly, because you can't get a guy that's too young or too good to the point where it's like, well, maybe we stick with him. Like I, I heard in a proposed trade to the to the Raiders, you could get Derek Carr back. So it's like, well, you don't have to pick do do the love thing because you could start Derek Carr. But it's like, so wonder if Derek Carr lights it up for a year or two. Well, then yeah. you're back in the same boat. It's like, cause Derek Carr's only like 30 years old. So you can't have a guy like that, but you need to basically get a bridge guy like a Teddy Bridgewater who's serviceable and can run your offense, but also isn't going to question for like to be a franchise player. So it, it's a weird spot that the Packers are in. Uh, I don't totally blame Rogers for his unhappiness. I don't really blame the Packers. I think that they did what had to be done. Now, I it felt like I've I, the city turned on him in a in a pretty quick <laughs> quick turn of events this weekend, and he's kind of been the bad guy. Um, yeah. I do I do not blame him for some of the like if he wants more guaranteed money, I totally get that, and I'd be pissed off too. And and I guess we haven't even gotten to the Kumaro thing yet, but it's like there have been these little like like tick bites that occur like every couple months and it adds up and it's frustrating. And so like, I get the frustration and ultimately I do think we, we said this on the podcast before money talks and shit walks, Tolly. Like if they commit him more guaranteed money after this year, 
I think he'll come back. Uh, yeah. If they give him an extension, he's going to come back. But if if the Packers don't bend, if they don't find a middle ground here, uh, under no circumstances can Green Bay trade him. I just they cannot do it. It would be um, no matter what, and you'd get a massive return back. You you they would, and they're going to get a massive return back if they trade him next year. You but, better, and that return might or is going to have to work out one hundred percent, or else that is complete career suicide as a GM. You just cannot punt and you're on always going to be football for three years. You, it's yeah. too, it's you're too be great of a risk forever is the guy who traded away Aaron. Now, Rodgers. now if you want to do it after this year, love's been on the bench for two years. You get a yeah. massive return back. Rogers is a year older. May, again, maybe you ship him to the Raiders where you, I, I basically don't, don't like no matter when they trade him, they cannot trade him to a place where he's going to have success. That sounds good, but yeah. they cannot under any circumstances trade him to like, a Broncos team that has weapons out the wazoo, a defensive-minded head coach, a solid defense, and a good offensive line now. You can't do that. What if all this Deshaun Watson stuff gets cleared up and that all goes away and they trade him to Houston for him? I had some shower thoughts last night and was thinking about Deshaun Watson potentially like because he's not going to play for the Texas anymore. Like no. Whether he plays in the NFL again or not, uh you know, I, I don't think he's his time with Texas is over. I would think yeah. Rodgers is vetoing a trade to that organization like ASAP. He does have the no trade clause, so it's like okay. he has to be okay with it. So I think he would shut that shit down immediately. Yeah. But like, let's say that it's two separate moves. Like you deal him to the Raiders in this example, and then you trade for Deshaun Watson independent of that deal. I think that's right. the only way it happens. But even then, it's just so tricky because like he's guilty of something. You know, like, I don't know what that is. And we've seen we heard Ben Roethlisberger. We've seen Ben Roethlisberger month. come back from, you know, some similar type yeah. allegations. And he's, you know, gone on to have, uh, I, you know, five more years, five, ten more years of success. But it's like, that was also, he stuck with the original team throughout it. Like, I, he, it's not like some team had to take on Roethlisberger with all that baggage. I mean, uh, Antonio I think Brown a, I think it's a really tough issues. sell. Yeah, I think it's a really tough sell to the fan base. And right or wrong, Tolly, right? Like, it's different. Yeah. Antonio Brown plays wide receiver. Like, it's just, it is, it's just different. And again, I'm not saying that that's right. I, I don't want either of the guys on my team. But also, too, like, the Antonio Brown thing was different in the fact that, like, I don't think those allegations really necessarily stuck, did they? Or didn't totally go to court? Uh... I there may have been a settlement there, I think, or something. Okay, I, I mean, I, I wasn't as locked in on that one. Like, the Deshaun Watson yeah. stuff, like, that's pretty concrete. He was, he's doing some weird shit. <laughs> like, so, that's a, that's a, whether he settles and plays in the NFL again or not, I think that's a really tough sell, especially to the Green Bay fan base. That's a small town that puts, I think, more of an emphasis on that than, it, than mm. somebody else. I mean, this is, a, they don't have an owner. Uh, they, they, you, they, the answer to a board, uh, I think it's a tough. I think it's a pretty tough sell for to Deshaun Watson ever being in Green Bay. But I did think about it. I mean that that's. I mean the the talent. It's like you're not going to have an opportunity to get a, another talent like that. So right. uh, it, that's just so far down the road from playing out that I don't know if it's really even worth wasting much thought on. But it it is an interesting thing because he is lurking out there. Um, and yeah. if and when it gets cleared up, he's going to play again. So the question is for who. But let's get to the draft. We have we just knocked the Rodgers stuff <laughs> out. And before we move on in the draft, Otali, 
My one last comment on it. The Kumaro shit was described in one report as a death knell between Rogers and the front office relationship. And I just yep. think that that is so hilarious. If true, that the hall of fame quarterback, Aaron Rodgers for the green Bay Packers, since I was like 12 years old, the end of his relationship with the green Bay and what leads to him getting traded is ultimately a dude I played against at UW Stout getting cut from the team preseason would be hilarious. That's hilarious. I don't think that's true. Like, I think that's something that bothered him. That's not like, I don't think he was like, what the fuck? You got rid of Jake Kumaro out of Whitewater? What is wrong with you? Devontae Adams. Like, (laughs) right. I think what he was more mad about and what I heard in the report was like, he went on radio and basically said, how much he loved Jake Kumaro and then yeah. final cut down day was the next day. Like they had made that decision probably beforehand and he was all pissed. Cause he looked like a dumbass. And it's like, he does have rabbit ears. Like he is a little sensitive. He's a bit of, he's got some diva in him for sure. But, but when yeah, it he- comes down to the root of the issues, I do kind of have some sympathy. I think he has a right to be pissed about some of this. I just, yeah. I, I don't think it's as unfixable. Cause at the end of the day, I do think that the, that the money will speak for all and winning cures all he's done nothing but win since Matt LaFleur came to town. Uh, and you know, the fact remains if he wants another ring, which normally guys start thinking about legacy at this point in their career, this is his best shot is in green Bay. And that's another thing that's working for the Packers. So, but yeah, let's that, that would be hilarious. If Jake Kumara, who I played against at UW stout <laughs> long hair down, torching that he i believe scored three touchdowns against <laughs> against the old blue devils that day uh <laughs> he he was he was unreal i mean we knew yeah. he was gonna get some looks in the league but uh yeah that would be that would be pretty funny and, and in rogers defense i do think they made a mistake in cutting him they absolutely should have cut fucking dairy shepherd or one of those losers before they cut <laughs> jake kumaro he's he's absolutely like everybody as good as alan lazard for example i think uh, maybe Lazard's a little better, but like we've never got to see Kumaro play to that degree. So right. let's move on to the draft. Um, big story in the draft was the Justin Fields Bears pick. Uh, we can, you want to go with, like where... top 10 and like go down through like the first night, or do we just want to go story to story? Uh, it doesn't matter if we want to start with the Justin Fields story and then go to picks and then and go well, through well, it. The, the Niners, did going... you see? Who yeah, was go going to take? It. Did you see who was going to take Fields if the Bears didn't? Vikings. The Vikings were one hundred percent in on him and ready to take him if the Bears. And I think didn't. the Bears they tried the Bears to trade knew up. The, yeah, oh, the they? Vikings were trying to trade up, but they couldn't get a deal. Who do? Do you know who they were trying to trade up with? I th- saw that I report. Don't. I think they were trying to make a deal with, uh, with like the Cowboys or the Broncos. Like I think they were trying to get up ahead of where. He ended up being taken at 11 um, yeah. because obviously the Giants were willing to deal at 11. So let's actually go because I think it all goes into the field's pick and the story there. So let's start in the top 10. First, you get the Niners. They they kind of drop the first bombshell of the night. They take Trey Lance instead of Mac Jones. And instantly you're thinking, how far is Mac Jones going to slide? Because it's tough placing him in the first round again. And I and I said that like when I did the mock with Trey Lance like a couple of weeks ago, I ended up mocking Jones to the Niners and that which obviously was wrong but initially I had Lance to the Niners and when I did that it was really tough finding a spot for Mac Jones 
And so the Niners get Trey Lance, which I think they avoid disaster. That would have been such a stupid pick if they had drafted Mac Jones. We talked about it ad nauseum. So they, they kind of throw the first curveball at us. The the Bengals go wide receiver instead of O-line, which I don't think was su- that surprising, but uh, was certainly, I think, the wrong move. Uh, and, and that'll play out over time. Wait till Joe Burrow is concussed by week four. Um, I mean, it's it's all well and good to have Jamar Chase. And I, I, I It's one of those can't-go-wrong picks. Like, he's an unreal player, was clearly the best player in this draft. But then the Miami Dolphins, I think this is a bigger bigger mess up than the Bengals taking yeah. Jalen Waddle over Panay Sewell was T- Tali. He's not anywhere close to Jamar chase. He's not, no. he he's, yeah, he's not six overall. He might play on the outside. He might, but he's like five foot 10. He might be limited to the slot. He just might be. And it's not, you, you can be a special receiver from the slot. Julian Edelman is a special receiver and he lines up outside. I think Waddle can line up outside, but the fact of the matter is he's not close to Jamar chase. And for them to take him at six with Panay Sewell on the board, draft Panay Sewell. You you got you got Tua Tagovailoa there. You have Austin Jackson, who you drafted the year before. Brian Flores is a defensive guy that it feels like philosophically builds the team with physicality on defense and builds a little old school. Like Panay, he should have loved Panay Sewell. So I don't understand. I now I don't know. I'm sure Brian Flores isn't running the show. I forget who their GM is down there, but. For for them to take Jalen Waddle over over Sewell in that case. Now, like Waddle's a great player, but for them Chris to do Greer. that, huh? Chris Greer is their GM. So, like, for them to do that instead of drafting Sewell to me was like that was neg that was borderline negligent. Yeah. And then you saw the Lions like just absolutely <laughs> crapping their a pants party. that that Sewell was there at seven. I know TJ was pissed about it. <laughs> And he wanted him to take Fields, which I get the argument there. It's like, I mean, shit, Fields just fell in our lap here. I mean, if you, you know, a lot of people believe he could be the second best pick in the draft. He was the second overall recruit in the draft class. I think Trey Lance is a little better, but I had him third. Uh, he fought, he just falls right in your lap there at pick seven. It's like, we got Jared Goff on the team. But it's like, <laughs> the, you know, the Lions are clearly building something. They, they're, you know, trying to, when you drop that quarterback in is important. I mean, if they pick Fields now, the team's terrible. As yeah. TJ mentioned, they don't have anybody to throw it to. Is Was Fields going to have success in Detroit next no. year? I would lean no. And I would lean the first three years were going to look pretty ugly. And then you're in a Jets-Sam Darnold situation. So, like, I don't hate the Panay Sewell pick one iota. I, and, and how fired up they were after that. Like, it's like they should have been. Because they took advantage of the Bengals and the Dolphins being absolute idiots. <laughs> not taking the best probably non Kyle Pitts quarterback in the draft. They let him s- slip to them at seven. And then you get to the corners. Carolina needed a corner. I thought maybe they'd go Micah Parsons. I thought maybe they'd go in a different direction. Maybe they'd take a quarterback. No, they just stick and pick. They, they address a huge need. They need a corner opposite of Dante Jackson. They do that. Then it's like the there's it's a two-corner draft because you had Horn and Sertan. So then immediately the rush is on for Sertan. Well, the Broncos shocked everybody. I had it pretty well sourced. Fucking Benjamin Albright told me that they were going to take Rayshon Slater, and I believed him. He's he's usually got a pretty good track record, but hey, yeah. the Broncos locked in on Sertan, and, and they took him. Uh, so that, again, totally panics the Cowboys, who 
all three, it's it's so interesting. It gets you to the to this fields pick, right, Tolly, which is what we want to mm-hmm. talk about. You got the Cowboys at 10 who really wanted a corner. They wanted Sir Tanner Horn. They miss out on him. Well, shit. Who else do we want to take? Well, Michael Parsons is probably the guy we're going to draft, right? Well, can I trade back and still get Parsons? Yes, I can. The Eagles want to come up and take Devontae Smith. I know this. Yeah. I've talked with Howie Roseman. I'm Jerry Jones. I've talked with Howie Roseman. I know they want to come up and get Devontae Smith. Are the Giants going to take Michael Parsons? Do am I am I worried about that? No, I know the Giants want Devontae Smith. They both want Devontae Smith. So it's like, yeah, it's like I don't want to do business with the Cowboys, but it's like if you don't do business with the Cowboys, he's going to the Giants. So you're you're going to be facing this guy no matter what, unless you take him. So the fact that you can slide back, you picked up a third round pick, you got the guy you were going to draft anyways. And you screwed over the Giants still in the process and forced them to trade down. I, I thought that was a shrewd, shrewd move by the Cowboys, and I really liked it. I mean, I don't know. I still kind of disagree with like drafting linebacker there. I know LVE's had his injury problems, but Jalen Smith's a good player. They picked up Jabril Cox later in the draft, and obviously you didn't know he was going to yeah. be available. But it's like I just felt like they they could have gone a couple different directions there. I thought Slater would have been a good pick at ten for the Cowboys. Like your offensive line's getting old and not as good. So that would have been a decent pick, but it was definitely it, just a best player available pick because he's so oh yeah, good. Sure. And, 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 and I don't, I never fault a team for doing that. I really don't yeah. like that shit will work itself out. Like then, then you decline, they declined LVE's option on Monday. It's like, it all, it works itself out. Um, so I, I didn't hate that at all. Um, I remember when the white Sox drafted Nick Madrigal, it's like, well, you already got Moncada at seconds. Like relax. Like it, it's, it'll, it'll be fine. Like some somebody will suck, somebody will get hurt, somebody will get traded, somebody will move positions in the case of Moncada, and it'll work out. So it's like yeah. I never fault best player available. I think that that's probably the most flawless approach to the draft. But then because of that, the Giants who really wanted to take Devontae Smith have to trade down. And it's like if I could criticize the Giants one second, Tolly, before we get to this field's pick, mm-hmm. they have not done a very good job of hiding who they want to pick. I mean, right, like everybody yeah. in the world knew they were taking Saquon Barkley. Everybody in the world knew they were going to take freaking Daniel Jones. And everybody knew that they wanted Waddle or Smith. They need to do a better job of not, I don't know where the leak is, but like Dave Gettleman, dude, like figure it out. Like you, yeah. like, you just got screwed because Howie Roseman knew you wanted to take Devonta Smith. He knew you wanted to. So he jumped you and, and then you panicked and had to trade down. So like... That brings us to the fields pick at number 11. They get a haul from Chicago. Dave Gettleman trades down for the first time in his career, which is like, again, I think is another misgiving of him as the general manager. And I crush him a lot. He's done some good things, I think. He's like one of the most Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde guys in the league in terms of management because he's done some stuff that I loved and he's done some stuff that I've downright hated. Um, trading down here, I, I think, was the move. If you were targeting Devonta Smith, he gets plucked in front of you. You got to trade down, get, you don't reassess, get a value on a guy that you like down at 20 and pick there, which is exactly what they did. So the, the bears who apparently were honed in on fields and had done a good amount of work on him in the off season knew if he falls, we're going to come up and get him. And that damn, that's what they did. And an entire city and fan base went from absolute despair of Andy Dalton lame duck year for this management. They're going to get fired after this year. Then we're going to have to start over from ground zero. They instantly go from like, 
We just got Justin Fields <laughs> at 11 in the draft. We went from Mitch Trubisky to Andy Dalton to Nick Foles to, to Justin Fields. You got a franchise guy. So the, the Bears are riding high. Now, here's the thing. I believe in the talent. I, I'm I'm honestly pretty sure of the talent. I don't think I'm wrong about it. Now, Fields has some development to do as far as a passer is concerned. He, I, I, I could be wrong. I don't think he's going to like come in and Justin Herbert this thing. No. Or, or Joe Burrow this thing. Now, he's a productive player, and I think he's going to be – I think he has the talent to become a top-10 quarterback in the league. But if Matt, here's the thing. The Bears and the McCaskies and Ted Phillips just allowed the Bears to select the quarterback of the future, which is why I thought it was weird keeping Ryan Pace because now you give him the ability to do that. You almost now have to keep him and Nagy on to see how it plays out. So they basically bought themselves like three to five years of job security when they should have probably been fired this last fall. Yeah. So the the problem there is like, yeah, they might, they might, I, they made a great and objectively great move trading up for Justin Fields. The problem is, is Nagy going to make him fucking throw it 45 times a game? Because that's not going to work. And he got pass happy with Trubisky, got pass happy with Foles. And I can't wait to watch QB power with Justin Fields. <laughs> you know that's getting called at least twice a game. Uh, so, like, you're stuck now with Nagy and you're stuck with Pace, who's made all these bad draft picks and all these bad moves. And it's like you just cut Kyle Fuller. It's like you're maybe going to trade Akeem Hicks. Uh, Allen Robinson just is disgruntled. You were like heading towards this teardown. Now it's like, well, I guess we're going to pivot now <laughs> and try to like develop fields and win and accelerate our window. So it, it's a, it's a weird situation. And, and we talked earlier in the pod, like when do you drop that QB in? Um, I, I think objectively, it's a great move by Chicago to get Justin Fields. Like our plan be damned. Like this guy, we have an opportunity to take this guy. I think they gave up what next year's first for it. I'd do that. 11 yeah. times out of 10. So great pick. I think probably the best pick of the draft, maybe. Uh, but they, they got to not ruin him. That's the thing. Because Chicago and Cleveland and some of these other quarterback you know, teams, they just kill quarterbacks' careers. So it's like you got to develop him. Now, I think here's the other thing that I think plays a big factor. Had the Niners drafted Mac Jones, it would have been Armageddon. When the... Bears drafted Trubisky. It was Armageddon. There was a negative perception around the pick from the second they walked into the, to the facility. That I think plays a big role in the leash in in the leash that that player is given in the way that the fran the patience with the franchise. Like Trubisky was had a negative perception from the second Deshaun Watson and Mahomes started killing it. It's like he never really had a chance. Whereas. Fields now, like he is the Bears guy and the fan base loves him and they are going to give him every last excuse to succeed and develop in Chicago. Whereas some of these other quarterbacks just simply aren't given that like Josh Rosen wasn't given that in Arizona, but Kyler Murray was going to get every, you know, chance possible to succeed because there was a positive perception around that draft choice. So uh, I, I think it's, it's it was a great move by the Bears. Now let's get a little further down the draft list into the first round. Alex Leatherwood was another discussion. He uh, was t taken 17th overall by the Raiders, which I do think was a reach. Now I'm going to surprise you, Tali, maybe with what I'm about to say. I don't think it's that big a deal. I, I really don't think it's that big a deal. I had Leatherwood mocked to the Ravens. I heard from like multiple sources that he wasn't getting past the Ravens at 27. So. 
he was a first round player. I, I had him basically, I think, as the fourth best tackle. Uh, so so like it's a it's a premium position. Yeah, like do you want? I think you could nitpick them. They could have done what the Cowboys did, traded back to twenty three and grabbed him. They reached for him at seventeen. What? Why fucking John Gruden and the Raiders can never trade back or trade up? Why they can never get any deals done is beyond me. And and the criticism of their past picks like Jonathan Abram and Cleveland Furl fourth overall when he was getting mocked to the Packers twenty eighth and thirtieth, like that was unacceptable. But this yeah. one, like, I, I kind of get it. Like, you got to view the two independently. Leatherwood, I thought, was he's a really good player. He's got position versatility. He's shut down edge rushers in the SEC for years. I honestly don't know why more people weren't high on him. And again, I have it on pretty good authority. The guy was going in the first round. So I don't think that's that crazy of a reach. Like, Henry Ruggs, that was a freaking reach. You <laughs> took him the first wide out off the board last year. Are you high? <laughs> But Leatherwood is like that's not that that's not that crazy. Like, can you nitpick them? Sure, they could have got him at twenty three, twenty four. Like, they should have. Maybe you do it. You should have done what the Cowboys did, traded down, got a second or third round pick, or like what the Green Bay Packers did the first year of Gutekinds. They wanted Jair Alexander. They knew they didn't have to take Jair Alexander at sixteen or fourteen or whatever it was. Gutekinds trades out of the first round completely. The Saints gave us their first round pick the next year to get Marcus Davenport. The Packers then traded back into the first round to get Jair Alexander, who they wanted all along. And then they picked up an extra first round pick, which turned into uh, Darnell Savage. So it's like they got Darnell Savage and Rashawn Gary the next year because of that. So like, yes, you can nitpick the you can nitpick the Raiders for not doing that. But at the end of the day, I think people blew this one in particular. It's a cumulative effect. I get that, but they blew this one a little bit out of proportion. Like Alex Leatherwood's a fine player. They got Colton Miller on on left tackle, which like that was a reach at the time. But it turns out they got that one right. Like Col- Colton Miller's looked come on and looked pretty good. I don't watch many Raiders games. I haven't seen him like flourish personally, but he gets good grades at PFF, and people seem to like him. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't I don't hate the Leatherwood pick that much. Um, and were there any other head scratchers to you in the first round, Tali? Um, I didn't really understand Eric the Stokes. Jag- yeah, I didn't understand the Jags taking ETN when they did, really. I saw a story today from Urban, Urban Meyer, Meyer. called him a third down back. Urban Meyer. After they, after uh, they drafted him. Can you believe that? <laughs> he said that they were a little stunned that Kadarius Tony went 20. That's who they were planning on taking at 25. They really? loved Kadarius Tony and wanted him. Packers love Kadarius Tony, too, is what I hear. I don't yeah, get it. I don't. I would take Rashad Bateman over him. Urban thought he was a game-changing guy, and he I is. Guess he's, when he went, I don't know if they panicked and then took ETN or he's I don't very know unique what because he's got like that AJ Brown, Debo Samuel like physicality to him, but he's yeah. not like he never caught pass. He's like literally, you cannot throw passes to him down the field. <laughs> it's not the type of player he is. So right. like, I thought that was actually kind of a reach by Gettleman at twenty. I really did. Um, we'll yeah. see how it works out. And he's a unique player that has a unique skill set. I mean, those guys are becoming more common, but but his he is a unique guy because of how he profiles. But I I don't know, man. Like I I would I liked Bateman better. I and I think that that it's like a weird fit. Like I think Bateman would have worked better in the Giants' offense, and I think Tony would have worked better in the the Ravens' offense. Like for sure, t- Tony in the Ravens' offense. That is just like. 
that is money right there because yeah. you take stress it's off easy Lamar. Completions, yeah. yeah, it's easy completions. You can get him involved in the run game super easily. Whereas Bateman's like this route runner Devontae Adams type. That doesn't really yeah. vibe with that offense and what they try to do. Like, I'm interested to see how that works. I love Bateman as a talent. Really wanted the Packers to take him. He was like number one. Him and Greg Newsom were number one, yeah. number two on my list for Green Bay. Um, and obviously, they didn't get either of them. But it's like, yeah, the, the urban the urban ETN pick was a bit of a head scratcher. I mean, I you get a game changing back, right? But it's like what Miami did. They didn't opt to address running back at all, which I thought was the move. Like, yep. dude, you got James Robinson, ISU Redbirds, by the way, represent normal Illinois. Uh, and, and I tweeted about it. Like, just say thank you. Like, you found a gem in James Robinson who had a ton of success last year. Now, I get that it's a different regime or whatever, but like, and if he struggles this year, then draft the guy. Like, yeah. why invest a first round draft pick in running back? When you just got your franchise quarterback, you need support everywhere, Urban. The team sucks. <laughs> They take invested a, all these picks in the into the edge players. They're terrible. CJ Henderson, the who they picked high. On a pack. What'd you say? I said take a flyer in the fourth round or Exa- something on yeah, a pack. If that's, if that's what you want to do. You had James. You caught lightning in a bottle with James Robinson. Yeah. You look. You found a gem as an undrafted free agent. Say thank you. It's like it's like if somebody offers to pay something for you, you're like no, thank you. Like I, I don't. I don't want. I can't have you do that. It's like just say thank you. Like yeah. you got to get, you're getting a gift here. Don't draft yeah. ETN to replace the guy when, and I think they brought in another free agent back too. They did. And, they brought somebody else in like Carlos Hyde or, or somebody. So it's like, it's like, what are you doing? Like you have all these problems on the team and, and you, you draft ETN at 25 overall. I just thought there were a number of ways they could have gone with that pick that would have been more productive than ETN at 25. Now, on the flip side, everybody crushed the Steelers for Najee Harris at 24. I love the Najee Harris pick. Now, their line is terrible. So, like, I, I don't know. Like, you're going to have to fix that eventually. <laughs> but uh, Najee Harris is such a classic Steeler. It's very clear the How'd direction you- the Steelers are going. Post Big Ben, they're going to play defense and run the football. They have an elite defense already, get an elite back. They had a ton of success with an elite back and Le'Veon Bell. Najee Harris, man, is so Steelers. Like, I, 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 and when you do the probability of like whether or not that's going to work out, I got to say his bus rate's got to be so low, man. Like, yeah. now again, although the line is terrible, I, I cannot state that enough. Their line is awful. They've got to f- solve that. They're like 31st in, in run, run, uh, offense. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this yeah. past year, and it's like very linear. You see, you've seen it like since 2018 drop precipitously year in and year out. And they just, Kevin Colbert's like, yeah, whatever, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like eventually they're going to have to in, invest some resources into it. But it's like, I didn't really blame them. Like, who are they going to take Tevin Jenkins? Like by the time you're picking at 24 and even Leatherwood's off the board at this point, right? <laughs> it's like five tackles are off the board. Like I'm not just going to draft a tackle for drafting tackle's sake. Uh, I'm going to draft a good player. It's, it, it's not worth it. it. It doesn't matter if you take all these offensive linemen, if they suck. So I, I didn't mind the Steelers pick as much as I minded the Jags pick. How did you feel about the Titans taking Caleb Farley over Newsom? I wouldn't have done it. Yeah. Uh, I ha- I had heard from different scouts that Farley is a lot of people believe that he's one back injury away from his career being over. 
And did you see how he was standing kind of awkwardly on the draft thing with like no family around? Like I, I really do have some questions about like his back. And I mean, th- those things, man, in, not all injuries are created equal knees and backs and concussions. Those don't get better. You nope. got a guy that's got five soft tissue injuries in, in college. Guess what he's going to have in the pros. He's going to pull hammies. He's going to, mm-hmm. you know, miss time with that. Like there's certain injuries, like, like the ACL now, like I don't worry as much about that one because that's right. like, that's like, you can get the reconstructive ACL surgery. Guys bounce back from that more commonly now than they do in the past. If he, if the guy has like a terrible one-off, like his bone sticks out of his arm like i'm that doesn't worry me like that's not something that's indicative of future injuries like carson wentz has had a couple of freak things i really don't know if he's like i guess now you could put the injury label on him but it's like a couple of the injuries earlier on were just like freak things like he got a head slam down the turf oh yeah he got a concussion you think like i think anybody would have like the the things that are, are predictive are back injuries, <laughs> uh, neck injuries, mm-hmm. like concussions. Those, those, I don't mess around with that. Like JJ Watt has had back problems for years. Did he get a magical back surgery, Tali? And now he's fine. No, nope. he's going to have back Gronkowski problems the rest of his career. had to take a whole year off. Yeah. And Rob Gronkowski, the same thing. And, and, uh, you know, he, because he had the year off is the only reason I think he was able to stay healthy with the bucks. And they had him in a very minimalist role. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause they had some depth at the tight end position. It's like, so you're taking Caleb Farley over Greg Newsom. Now, I understand maybe not liking Greg Newsom's scheme fit, whatever, man. But it's like you could have gone, they could have gone a number of different directions with their pick. They have a tackle that they just had to cut. You could have yeah. gone that direction. Uh, they do need a corner, but it's like you could have drafted Trayvon Morrig, uh, the safety out of TCU. I heard some guys that were kind of split on him, funny enough, uh, so is why I heard he fell. Uh, but. I mean, they could have they they could have gone a number of different ways, also, and and they did it. Um, the Packers pick, if we want to get to that one, that I think was a, objectively a head scratcher. I think they reached for a corner. He's the I went back and looked. He's the twelfth corner on my uh, on on my thing. I had him as basically a third third round grade, and I talked to a lot of people that were the same on him. PFF had him as like seventy one or like sixty eight or something on their big board. He wasn't in my top fifty. I did have him ahead of Tyson Campbell, and I've heard like like Colin Coward was saying like he kept saying like they got the George second best corner on Georgia. I'm like, eh, sure about that. Like I watched them both; neither of them seemed that special. Like, yeah. And the thing about Stokes and my number one and reason I wasn't that high on him, in my experience playing football for eleven years and and playing corner, uh, I think the biggest predictor of success, even more than height, is your instincts at the position. Jair Alexander works because he has instincts. Jalen Ramsey is a good corner because he has instincts. All of the good corners know when to take chances. And yes, you have to have physical ability. And are you good man coverage? Do you run fast? Do you have the length to like press these guys at the line? Like Stokes athletically profile is great. He's like six foot one, 185 pounds. Like that is the elite corners in the NFL. They are that body type. He ran a 425 reportedly at his pro day. The guy absolutely like whether you're not, you believe the legitimacy of that time. I for one do not. Uh, whether or not you believe it, um, he he burns. He's fast. But the thing with Stokes is like he doesn't have instincts. He, he like guys would run a curl. He's five yards downfield before he changes direction and comes back. Like he doesn't have a good feel 
for for what route is being run his way. Like that's and we'll see. I mean, some guys just develop it later. Um, some guys are just different pros than they are collegiate players. Um, and and we'll see how he is opposite of of Jair. He strikes me as a type that's like Noah Igbenogany went in the first round for the Dolphins last year. Like he's one of those guys that is a good corner by way of just always uh, being by the man he's guarding. Therefore, he's not targeted very often. But when he is targeted, it's like it's not anything special. It's not like he's ball hawking. He he doesn't like he. They, everybody kept showing that clip of him sacking the Tennessee quarterback. Outside of that, not a lot of help in the run game. He's a bystander. Like he's not like Jair, man. Like I. I I love the way Jair plays. Like he throws his hat in there. He misses like 16, 18% of the time, but he, he is a willing tackler. Like Stokes has not one been of the, that. He's one of the few on the Packers defense. That's a willing tackler. Yeah. Well, and he misses a lot. Yeah. Well, not a lot. That's not fair, but he, he will miss, but he will shoot his shot. And it's like, yeah. I don't know. There's something to be said. So like, I didn't love the pick clearly, uh, but we'll see. No, none of us know. Um, and especially when you're picking down that late, I do think it's hard. It's like you're picking 29 every year. I mean, it's, it's tough, but it's like, I, I would have liked to see them go a couple different directions. I, I, uh, understand why they didn't go with, uh, the Owusu Kormoa kid after I heard the reports that they, he has a heart condition. That's why he slipped mm-hmm. out of the first round. Um, it, it started feeling like on draft night, I mocked him 32 to the bucks just cause I was like, I feel like there's a better probability than not that he gets selected tonight, but it feels like Jamin Davis has passed him up. Somebody, Zayvon Collins has passed him up when he was considered the second best linebacker. He's second best linebacker on my board behind Parsons. And it just, it just was feeling like, look, there's, there's these teams are passing them. The, these guys are passing him up on these teams boards. And it feels like he might not get drafted. Tonight, and that ended up being the case. So uh, outside of the first round, just an overall recap of the drafts, Tolly. And then I guess we can probably wrap this bad boy up. Everybody was crediting the dolphins for having a good draft. I disagree. I disagree. Their four picks, I'm going to pull them up here real quick. Their first one was Jalen Waddle, right? Yep. And then uh, then they got Jalen Phillips. Huge question mark with the concussions. I mean, huge. The guy literally retired from football in 2019 because of traumatic brain injury. Like, again, Tali, like, those things don't just go away. It's It's scientifically proven. After you get a first concussion, your second concussion, your third concussion, you're more likely to have a concussion th- thereafter. The, yeah. It's it's a it's a more frequent thing. Like when you break your collarbone, you're more likely to re-injure. It's not as strong. Like those hits add up. Then they take uh, so they took Phillips with that second first round pick. They got Jav- was it Javon Holland? I think the safety out of yep. Oregon. I like that pick. I think that's a great pick. And then they take Liam Eikenberg. Didn't they also get uh, Walker Little? Who's the team that drafted Walker Little? Um, I, I'm looking it up right now. But they took Liam Eikenberg. I, I don't. I don't love what they did in the draft. Liam Eikenberg is far from a sure thing. Oh, the Jags got uh, Walker Little. Everybody was kind of talking about how the Jags had a good draft. Also, um, ETM pick aside, but. Uh, I, I wasn't as high on the on the Dolphins draft from the perspective of you should you could have had Panay Sewell you didn't you took it yeah you took the most talented edge rusher but like is he gonna be playing football in three years I think that's a, a, as big of a question mark as whether or not he's good so uh, to do that at the end at the first round I think that's a huge risk I think they just went with two huge risks uh, in the first round and then they're gonna plug and play Liam Eikenberg out of Notre Dame across from Austin Jackson like that's far from a sure thing whether or not he's going to be good. That's third round pick third round tackles. Like 
Wait, I, I don't know much evidence on about those guys being good. Typically, Liam it's was, like r- really high draft picks and then really low draft picks that just pan out and are way better. Liam was round two, pick 10. He was early round two, second. pick 10. So like, yeah. okay, so he was, and he had some clout as like a day two guy. Like he was going to go pretty high. Um, But but yeah, I, I don't know. I just think that's far from a sure thing. I don't, I don't have my big board pulled up, but he, yeah, he was like eighth tackle for me. So yeah. like far from a sure thing. I don't know why the Dolphins are getting as much love as they are. Here's one draft I loved, Tali, and it was the Cleveland Browns. And I think that draft grades are kind of dumb. I do. Um, because one draft does not uh, a team make. And you usually aren't going to find out if that draft is good till like three years down the line because your rookies aren't going to have that much of an impact. Like the Bucks had a great draft uh, because they got multiple impact rookies in that draft. Usually doesn't happen that way. Uh, but what the Browns have done is they've put good drafts together and they've stacked them on top of each other. The Browns had a really nice draft last year. And since they've got Andrew Barry, I freaking love Andrew Barry. This guy, I, I feel like I, I think like him, I'm on the same, I'm on the same wavelength as him. And I love a lot of what he's done. Um, and I loved that their, their draft, uh, this time out. Um, they got, I'm trying to pull up who they actually took here. So they took Greg Newsom, who we mentioned earlier. Yeah. Great, great pick. Packers should have taken him. Packers should not have allowed the Browns to take him. They got Koromoa in round two pick, which I guess, I guess now I haven't since the heart thing, like I was looking at that, I had their draft and thinking of how much I loved it before the heart thing, but still like Maurice Hurst had a heart thing for the Raiders. They took him fifth round. He's still in the league. He just actually, I believe got traded to the chiefs or scooped up by the chiefs. So, uh, He's, he, you know, if if the doctors clear him, it's like, who are you to tell tell doctors? No, clearly it wasn't an issue for Cleveland, so they took him. They took Anthony Schwartz, the wide receiver out of Auburn, in the third round. Not a not as big on that pick, admittedly. They took James Hudson, a tackle out of Cincinnati, in round four. Like that pick. And then Tommy Togaia, something like yeah, that. Yeah, the D tackle out of, out of, of Ohio, Ohio State. State. So like. Yeah. I, I think that they got some good players in this draft and they're just stacking them on top of the other. Like you don't got to get five all-stars like, okay, you got Greg Newsom. You got Jeremiah Usu Cormo. You stack that on top of who you got last year. You spent a second round pick on uh, uh Delpit, the safety out of LSU. You, you got Denzel Ward the year before that. You got Baker Mayfield the year before that. You got Nick Chubb in the second round. You got Kareem Hunt for nothing. Like you just stat, you have to stack these good decisions on top of one another. Jedrick yeah. Wills was the first round pick last year. That's a great pick. So it's like you don't have to get five impact starters like the Saints did the one year they got like freaking Alvin Kamara, Michael Thomas, yeah. uh, Marcus Marshawn Williams, Marshawn Lattimore. Yeah, they got yeah. like all these guys in the same year. You don't have to do that. You're not going to do that. It's impossible. No. But you stack good decisions and you, the, these doubles, these safe picks, like these. Well, it's Jedrick Will. Well, they're not. You're not winning any awards for drafting Jedrick Wills. You're not winning any awards for drafting Greg Newsom. But it's like those moves add up. It's like now you got, now you got Denzel Ward and Greg Newsom. And you got Jeremiah Wusukoromo, who's like a, a Swiss Army knife in the middle of your defense. And you got Jedrick Wills on the offensive side of the ball with a great running back now and Nick Chubb and a, a, a two-handed punch there. You traded for Odell Beckham. It's like you stack that stuff on top of each other, and that's what makes a good draft uh, in in my mind. Um, 
trying to think if I like if I loved anybody else's draft. I think the the Browns were the main one that stuck out to me. I really liked what they did. I was in the minority on the Dolphins draft. Didn't love what they did. I thought I thought Urban did okay. I wasn't too high or low on it, but it's like everybody was like you know blowing them for the ETN pick and then the Walker Little like Walker Little hasn't played football since 2018. Nick Tolley, yeah, he has not played since 20. He got injured week issue. one. He ripped his ACL week one of 2019 and opted out of 2020. <laughs> so what do we have to go on? Da- Coach Coach David Shaw says he's good. Well, yeah. you know, <laughs> Davo Sweeney comped uh Deshaun Watson to Michael Jordan and this most recent year I believe he comped uh Travis Etienne or Trevor Lawrence to like like Bo Jackson or something like something insane like he made another like just outlandish outlandish comparison but it's like so yeah this guy could be good and he was good in 2018 and he's got the physical characteristics but like that is such a like you have no idea what you're doing you're just you're just rolling the slot machine and hoping it comes up, you know, in your favor. So like, I, I don't give you credit for doing that unless it's in like the fifth round. Like I, right. I that, I don't know, whatever. So, uh, that, that's kind of my feelings on the Jags draft. And, uh, outside of that, I don't have any strong feelings, I guess, on, on, on the, uh, the team's draft picks. I, I thought that everybody for the most part did a pretty good job. Cowboys had a weird draft. They got Parsons. They got Jabril Cox. I know you got LVE concussion or uh, not concussion issues, but injury issues. But it's like, Jesus. I mean, you got how many? Are you going to play 11, 11 <laughs> linebackers? Like, what, what are they doing, Tolly? And they not took like anyone that, run the ball on them. They took that Nashon. Did they take Nashon Smith or Kelvin Joseph uh, on, on the second day? Like, they, they just had a really weird draft. So, like, I don't know if they panicked or what what happened there. But uh, it didn't feel like they got much for the picks. Um, so uh, outside of that, I, I mean, we'll, we'll see. I didn't. There wasn't anything too terribly egregious in this draft. I thought Mac Jones basically went where he could have went, and if the pack, if the Pats passed on him, I think you could have seen him slip to like thirty and like have a team, a random team, trade up to get him in the at the end of the first round because. That's pretty much the order I had it going in. I literally had outside of Zach Wilson, the quarterbacks for me were Trevor Lawrence. Then I had Trey Lance, then Justin Fields, then Zach Wilson, and then uh, Mac Jones. And I had Mac Jones for like a third round grade. So, yeah. It was Kelvin Joseph, corner out of Kentucky, was their second round pick. And I can't remember if it was, I don't, I don't want to be telling tales out of school. I can't remember if it was him or Nashawn Smith. Like one of the two got kicked out of like Kentucky, got kicked out of LSU. It's like if you get kicked out of LSU, like I don't know if I want to be messing with you with a, with a day two draft pick. <laughs> They did go all defense too for a while because then they took a D tackle, D end, another corner. Then they got Jabril Cox. And then yeah. they finally, at the end of the fourth round, took a tackle and a wide receiver. And they took a guard with their last pick, but everybody else's defense. Here, here was the other thing I didn't like, Tali. Elijah Moore slipped out of the first round. He was like one of those late risers. I never really bought into him. He, I had him as like my sixth best wide out. He climbed yeah. a little for me, but uh, he was picked very early on in the second by the jets. And again, like I felt really vindicated then thereafter when I heard about a lot of reports from scouts, like he's like a third round pick to me. Like, I don't, I don't get it because I didn't totally see it either. He's speed guy, dynamic athlete, but not a lot of college production. The quarterback sucked. So it's like, you had the same problem that you had with the DK Metcalf and AJ Brown. I was like, how the fuck do I evaluate these guys? Because 
every pass is like off target. I have the same right. problem with Jalen Rager at TCU. It's like, can we get this guy a catchable ball <laughs> so I can see if he's actually good? Yeah. So that that's was, where it sucks not having the combine too. At least it, if they were catching yeah. balls at the combine, those are a little bit more on target. It, it, that's part of the problem evaluating corners too. Like I went back yeah. and watched some Eric Eric Stokes stuff after the Packers took him, and it's like it was really hard for me to like change my mind from what I initially had because he didn't get targeted very often. They did not go. They specifically stayed away from him. Um, and, but when they did, it's like the ball was like thrown 30 yards over the guy's head. I don't know if he's going to make the, yeah, yeah. You could with their arms saying no catch classic. So you can't tell if the guy was going to make a play on the ball. It's like Rager. It's like, yeah, he's got like a yard or two of separation, but the ball's thrown 10 yards over his head. So it's, uh, sometimes Elijah Moore was definitely one of those guys, like tough eval a little bit, but those speed guys, unless you're dynamic, like I had Rondell Moore ahead of Elijah Moore. Like, yeah. I think Rondell Moore is more easily projectable, and I think he has more elite traits that project to the league than Elijah Moore. Like, Elijah Moore's a speed guy. Maybe you could put him on I, – I, people liked him because they think you could put him on the outside and that he could thrive as an outside receiver still being that short. But it's like those speed guys, Tolly, especially in the first round, they're really hit or miss. I mean, yeah. John Ross, Henry Ruggs, not exactly lighting the world on fire. Like – the, the, those niche speed receivers, like for every Deshaun Jackson, there's five, uh, you know, John, John Ross's. Yeah. So I don't, I give me, give me the route runners. Give me, if, if you are like a little guy, like be Rondell Moore. I mean, I, I have no questions about what I'm going to do with him in the offense. Like I feel very good about his projectability. Where did he get drafted by the way, Tolly? Didn't he go to the Cardinals? He went to the Cardinals. He went to the Cardinals. Which I yeah. I didn't that I, that was a fit I didn't like. They have so many receivers. Like, is he really going to get do. the chance to produce over there? I mean, I if think he, I comped him to Christian Kirk. They have Christian Kirk already. They have him. They have D Hop. They have AJ Green because they signed him this offseason. I I mean, he could get kind of buried this year if he doesn't have a good camp. Yeah. And, or they're going to cut Christian Kirk or something. They're definitely not bringing back Larry Fitzgerald. And, and Jalen Darden goes to the Bucks. It's like he had 19 FBS receiving touchdowns for North Texas. The guy that recruited me to Stout was the offensive coordinator at North Texas. Not this past year. He's moved on. But he's a couple years removed. I think he would have been there when Darden was like a freshman. And this guy behind, uh, I think, Jam- Jamar Chase in 19, he had like the most touchdown catches. I mean, the guy is insane. He looks like Tavon Austin. But uh, he goes second, second or third round to the Bucks. Finally, and it's like that's not where I want to see him go. It's <laughs> yeah. like he's gonna—he's instantly like Jaden Mickens. Like right. he, he's not gonna have a chance to really have much of a career unless guys leave. Because it's like they even have Tyler Johnson on the back burner, Scotty Miller. I mean, there's a lot of mouths to feed and a lot of depth chart to climb for him. So it's like there were certain guys. It's like you're high on. It's like oh, I don't love the fit. It's like is he really gonna get a chance to be a focal point in the offense and so so we'll see uh but i think that's going to wrap it up for our show tally is there anything else that you wanted to kind of talk about closing thoughts on the draft or this off season i think that's it i mean it's been a great off season we had a lot of great draft storylines and i guess we'll see everyone next year yeah, thank you guys or, so much. If you're listening, still 2021. We'll see them in August. But yeah, next season, next fiscal year, Tyler. A lot of new show. Yeah, <laughs> new, a lot of new shows coming in August that we're excited about. 
Yeah, we're doing, we're going to do some exciting stuff. So it, it'll definitely be a lot of fun. And I can't wait for football to be back. I was watching like Instagram highlights today of like <laughs> just plays. This is like, I, that's what I live for, man. Just the ball. I just want to see yeah. the ball. So, uh, it, thank you guys for making us a party, part of your day. And, um, if you, if you've hung on this long, thank you for, uh, making from the 50 midweek review, uh, a part of, uh, your podcast rotation. We definitely appreciate it. And, uh, we've, we've had a great time doing this Tali. I think we're going to probably do it again next year. I'd imagine until the draft. For so, sure. uh, I'll leave you with one parting hot take Tali. All right. Is it a spicy one? It's, it's pretty spicy, dude. <laughs> okay. <laughs> ba- Bailey Gaither undrafted free agent for the green Bay Packers. They got, some they got some depth now because they have Devonte Adams, Lazard, Valdez Scantling. Then you got Mari Rogers, Devin Funch is coming back on one year deal. So that's five right there. But and then you have like Equinemi St. Brown, six. But Bailey Gaither, I think he's probably gonna be a practice squad guy early. My hot take is that guy is gonna produce in the Packers offense. I think he will make a name for himself. He will play on Sundays and be a part of that offense. He was a guy at a San Jose State that very weirdly, Tali, I did like three San Jose State Spartans games for PFF. Mm-hmm. And this guy was torching everybody. Every single time I did the game, he was like burning people for 80-yard touchdowns. And I think because it was San Jose State, I assumed he was like a little guy. He's six foot one. He, he's wow. like Jordy Nelson. He literally is. <laughs> and when you watch him, go watch some of the highlights. He just punked these dudes in the Mountain West. Like, it was a joke how good he was. And it wasn't one game that I did. Like, he, the one game I did do, I think he caught like three or four touchdowns against uh, Hawaii. Uh, yeah. Or three or four really, like, he he was absolutely destroying them. It Big was like place. Megatron level. Like, <laughs> they just could not guard the guy. Yeah. But I, I even did, I've done games of him spanning multiple years of PFF now too. And I'm like, I always look for him like <laughs> now when, when I do the games, because the first game I watched of him was Hawaii. I think it was 2019. And he had like two or three touchdowns. First drive, he caught like an 80 yard bomb for a touchdown, oh like God. first minute of the game. Yeah. And then uh, he went on, that game went into five overtimes and he went on to like, yeah, he was he was the offense that game. And so then I did a couple of San Jose State games after that where I was doing their offense. And uh, he was just he was lighting teams up. He was so good. So uh, weird, spicy take Bailey Gaither draft talk. I think he yeah. has a chance to succeed. Be one of the he's going to be the next weird Packers receiver that you hear about. So, all right. That, like that's it. my spicy take, Tally. <laughs> I like it. So that'll do it for us here on the midweek review. We thank you guys for sticking with us longer pod, but what are you going to do? Final show of the year. Thank you, Tali, for uh, doing all the work that you do. And thank you to our sponsors, Book It Sports and Aces Wild. Thank you to TJ and uh, Nick Yale, who kind of like started this, this thing from the ground up. And uh, of course, Big Web for being the content machine that he is. <laughs> so we, we're, we're thankful for everybody that uh, is a part of this. And we'll see you guys next year.